Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me from beautiful South Bend, Indiana, is one of my closest and best friends, a, a man of tremendous intellect, and who sadly turned down the role of the Terminator and has regretted it ever since. Ken Hellenius. Ken, <laughs> how are you doing, my friend? I am I am well, thank you. I'll be back. <laughs> oh my gosh, I believe I just got canceled. For See, that. you should have taken it, Ken. Look at that. <laughs> oh, golly. I, uh, yeah, the, the Terminator. I Partly because I, I can't really ride a motorbike and I don't really uh, look good in a leather coat. So those are the main reasons that I turned down the role. You know, plus Arnold needed to do something. I was still in college, all these sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah classic film. Classic, classic film, film absolutely. Series. And ultimately a film about peace. The series, yeah. at least. Yeah, so. Well, how are uh, you, awesome. Deacon? Uh, well, okay, I'm doing let me well. let me actually rephrase that. Deacon, as we're recording this, you're getting ready to be gone. So, this is the magic of radio working for us, right? Because you and I are having this fantastic conversation, but in reality, Deacon Harold the the body of Deacon Harold is somewhere in Croatia or Italy right now as we're as we're airing this right now. So, how how were you when we recorded this? I should say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, doing doing very well, doing very well, doing the uh, close to the final edits on my book coming out in the fall. I got the copy edited manuscript back, so that's uh, the basically round two of the editing, and so I'm going through and and I have to approve the changes or you know accept them or recommend further changes or whatever, or say, no, I, I want to keep what I said there, you know. Sure. So <laughs> going through that process, uh, which is always fun. It's always interesting to see what editors think about what you think, you know, or how right. you think, you know. Right. So, and fortunately, this editor with Ignatius Press, the same one who I worked with on my first book for Ignatius Press, Behold the Man. So the editor's familiar with my writing style. We worked together before. So I think this is going to be a, a fairly smooth process. And then I have to get at this point, this is why I have to get permissions for using quotes and things like that. Now that we know basically how many pages are going to be in the book and that it's the layout is pretty much the way it's going to be as far as word count and, you know, getting permission from other publishers for the books that I use and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm starting that process now as well. So that's taking up the bulk of my time. In addition to writing my next article for Deacon magazine and writing a forward to a book that's coming out on, uh, evangelization and witnessing to the faith coming out from a good friend of mine in Australia. This is his second book and he wanted me to write the forward. So I'm doing that. And uh, boy, I've got a bunch of other projects here that I'm working on as well. So my next book, my seventh book now, Ave Maria, there your, your uh, colleagues there at Notre Dame. Indeed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on my, my uh, an outline for my next book for them. Uh, so yeah, stay in busy, Ken. No rest for the weary. That's right. <laughs> and you had some travels, too. Yes, I actually got to go to Rome. 
and uh, spend part of a week there. I was attending a conference on church communications throughout the world. So very much an opportunity to meet journalists and uh, you know, communications professionals who both work in the church and who report on the church uh, from all the corners of the globe. And uh, I moderated a, a session that was uh, part of the conference, and we went to the Wednesday general audience with the, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, and just a really, uh, they do this conference every couple of years. Last time I went was before COVID, so when I presented at that conference, so it was a good chance to uh, reconnect with folks that uh, I've chatted with before and who are doing similar work, uh, made some great connections with uh, international media folks, you know, who who do Catholic radio and who do Catholic television and, and things like that. So just a really neat chance to spend some time in the Eternal City connecting with people who are working to share the joy of the gospel. So it was a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, when I got back to the States from that, then uh, my bride and I took a week of vacation and we went to uh, the wine country in uh, Northern California with some friends from college. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I finally got to have a pint of one of my favorite beers in the world, which is called Pliny the Elder, uh, and it's made by Russian River Brewing, named, of course, after the Russian, Russian, <laughs> named after the Roman naturalist who was the, uh, who kind of classified hops. And so uh, it's a fantastic, very tasty beverage, and I got to have some fresh, which was a joyful experience for me because I'd only ever had it in bottles. So that was a lot of fun. And now All right. home and, uh, you know, safely ensconced back in my bed, no longer sleeping in strange beds, uh, you know, in hotels and, <laughs> and uh, Airbnbs and things like that. So fun. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, Deacon, we have been chatting about the fathers of the church, some of the earliest teachers and those who have proven to be um, influential in the life of the church, both in our theology and in our liturgical practice and in the day-to-day living of the Christian faith. So fathers and doctors in general, we've talked about Irenaeus of Lyon, we've talked about the father of church history, Eusebius of Caesarea, we've talked about St. Cyprian, we've, we've, so we've had a couple martyrs, we've had a couple bishops, we've had um, people that are, you know, again, that have handed on the faith. And uh, we're going to continue that conversation with one of my absolute favorites, because this is a this is a saint, doctor, and father who didn't get to have a lot of peace in his life, we'll say. But I'm excited to uh, learn a little bit about uh, this evening's uh, father and doctor that you're going to introduce us to. So take it away. Yes, we're going to talk about Saint Athanasius of Alexandria. And just to just start with a little footnote here, there were five major C's at this time in, in the history of the church. So right now we call them dioceses or archdioceses or, or Eastern church patriarchies. Um, but there are five major ones at this time. So there was Alexandria, which St. Athanasius was bishop of. Then we have Antioch, Constantinople, Jerusalem, and Rome, right? And so obviously the bishop of Rome is the Pope, right? right. And so at this time we have these five major sees. And these are important because these are five major areas of literary study of theological development of philosophical development and of biblical studies as you mentioned with eusebius um we talk about what they call a, a high christology and a low christology you know like the christology from above and the christology from below like christ focusing on christ 
in his divine nature and divine being, and also Christ as a man. Yes. You know, so that, so so these different sees emphasize different theological traditions in the church, and I think it's important to understand that as a beginning here to understand the nature of who Athanasius was. So he's considered the most important adversary against the Arian heresy. We'll talk about that in a second. But Athanasius was born in Alexandria, Egypt, somewhere around 300 AD. You know, again, like you said, like Eusebius, around what time they were born, obviously they didn't have like birth certificates and, right. and hospital records and anything like that, because there were none. So we know about when he was born. He received a very solid theological education before he became a deacon and then was secretary of the Bishop of Alexandria at the time. And he became a peritus, which is a theological expert. So many bishops, even up to the Second Vatican Council, uh, had uh, peritus or theologians or theological experts that helped them to think through different issues, uh, different theological issues in the church. And so at the Council of Nicaea in 325, the Bishop of Alexandria took Athanasius with him to the council as his peritus, as his theological expert. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, how brilliant he was. He's somewhere around like 25 years old. Wow. Remember, the Council of Nicaea was in 325 AD, and he was born somewhere around 300, so mid-20s, you know, uh, something like that. So uh, obviously the bishop thought very highly of him to bring him to the first major council of the church where they're talking about the Arian heresy. Now, this was a heresy that actually started before. In fact, Arius, who was a priest, developed this heresy, and he was already excommunicated by the time the Council of Nicaea started. And this was the one of the main reasons for this council was to deal with this Arian heresy. So, and a lot of these heresies are named after the person that started them. Right. Not all the cases, of course, but in this case, you know, the priest Arius. And basically what he thought, what his thought was, I don't think he purposely was trying to cause division in the church. But again, at this time, they're trying to understand who Jesus was. They knew that he was God and they knew that Jesus was also man. But how? How could a man be God? How could God become man? And does the fact they become man lessens his divinity? And, you know, I mean, this, uh, these were things that they were being thought about at the time. And so Arius, in formulating his thought about who Jesus was, thought that Jesus was heterousia. So Greek. So usia means substance, essence, nature, being, and hetero means other. So he basically thought that Jesus was of an, an another substance than the Father. The fact that Jesus was a man would lessen, I mean, how could the God that created the universe become one of his creatures? So Jesus, therefore, must not be totally God. He must be some kind of demigod. He's kind of halfway, if you will, between God and man. And so he's never really, therefore, totally accessible to us. And so this caused problems and division in the church because the church was teaching was Jesus was homo usia. So homo means same. So he was the same substance, essence, nature, being with the Father. And so this is one of the, the first and probably most serious heresies actually in the history of the church um, because it lasted for, for so long. We're talking about hundreds of years and many bishops fell under the spell of Arius. And so it caused, caused great division in the church. And it was Athanasius 
that help formulate the proper understanding of Jesus as the same substance, nature, and being. And in fact, the, the impact, we still feel that today because there was a, a change in our creed uh, going on 20 years ago now. Uh, um, was it 20? No, nah, I think it's just about, I think it's like 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, right. There were updates made in 2000, but then uh, the creed was, it was 2010. And so we used to say that the, Jesus was one in being with the Father. So now we have consubstantial with the Father. People say, oh, come on. Wait, what, what, I don't even know what that word means. It's so confusing. But it actually makes it more clear. And consubstantial is the from the Latin consubstantialis, which comes from the Greek word homoousios. So it, it, so he's of the same substance, uh, same nature, same being. One in being, although technically it could be accurate, could also be misconstrued. Because one in being means the same as right. the Father. Remember, he shares the same nature, but he's not the same person. There are three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that share the one divine nature. So if you say one in being, it could be misconstrued as being the same. Sure. See? Sure. So consubstantialis, consubstantial, makes a much more clear, definitive definition that Jesus, yes, he shares the one divine nature, but he's a different person than the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So of one substance. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Different person. Not the same thing, just doing a different job. Modalism or one of those other types of heresies. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, you get other heresies if you if you mix those things up. So um, modalism, uh, so there's something called dynamic monarchianism, which is a type of modalism, which says that the Trinity has different, um, it's like it's like wearing a mask, right? So when Jesus, when, you know, he, when he came to earth, he put on his son mask, but he takes that mask off and puts on the father mask. He takes that mask off and puts on the Holy Spirit mask. You know, so yeah. it's like, uh, no. Or which... There's also patropatianism, which is a type of modalism, which says that, the father suffered on the cross, uh, which, no, the right. son suffered on the cross. So, again, if you get this wrong, it leads to all other types of heresies, different problems, a way of thinking about who God is. This is why, actually, Trinity Sunday is the single most difficult feast to preach on for any preacher. Because the Trinity is, of course, at its core, the Trinity is the, the most important mystery of our faith. And the word mystery here actually is a great word because not only is it something that's revealed to us, but we can't fully comprehend it even though God has revealed it to us. Christ the Son revealed the relationship of the Father and the Spirit to us, but not enough that we can comprehend it. And we couldn't even comprehend it even if Christ had stayed to explain for the last 2,000 years because it's something that is... an a relationship within God and our puny minds aren't strong enough to understand. So, but we can receive and celebrate and honor and worship. We even without fully understanding and comprehending that we can still do because that's where the gift of faith comes in too. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're talking about here, we're not by trying to understand who Jesus is. We're not exhausting the mystery of who God is. We're not saying, Oh, uh, we've got God nailed down now. We know exactly who God is and how it all works. 
uh no right the only way to we can know god fully is to be god which is impossible but we can come to understand who god is through what's been revealed to us right. and that's what they're trying to figure out here in these early councils and so this council started a development of the creed as we know take so before the council there was the apostles creed or the short one which is the one that we say before the rosary mm-hmm. right but then through this council and the next one Constantinople in 381 AD, that's when they developed the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, which is, or we just say that we call it for short the Nicaea Creed, which or the creed that we say at Mass on Sunday, right? The longer version of that. So it was through those, particularly those first two councils, where they really came to articulate. So God, Jesus is God from God, not a divine being that comes from God. He, he actually is God. Right. So he's not an angel. So angels are divine beings, but they're not God. So Eris will say, well, he's more than an angel, but he's not quite God and, you know, that kind of thing. So what happens is after the council, you think, okay, the council's over. The bishops came out. And, you know, Athanasius is right. You know, it's it's uh, homo usias. It's consubstantial. Okay, done. But no. Uh, sadly, this, this heresy continued. Uh, long after the council was over. And this is where the cross of Athanasius really began, because shortly after the council, 328 AD, uh, the bishop of Alexandria, whose name was Alexander, interestingly enough, <laughs> died, and Athanasius succeeded him as bishop. So you got to say he was a deacon, and all of a sudden he's ordained a priest, and then ordained the bishop like in the same week. So uh, that does obviously that doesn't happen today, <laughs> right? But right. back then, you know uh, that that's that's how it worked. And so he was determined to continue to fight against the Arian uh, heresy. Unfortunately, uh, again, this heresy persisted, and he ended up being exiled several times uh, <laughs> because he he hung on to this belief, and even through um, what they called semi-Arianism. So there was a compromise that was trying to be struck between the Arians and the church. And what the Arians proposed is something called semi-Arianism or homoi usias. He was of a similar substance. So so the original Harry said he was a different substance in nature. The church was saying, no, he's the same substance in nature. So the compromise that they tried to reach was, well, he's a similar substance than the father. And after nature said, no, that's still not correct, right? And so again, he was persecuted um, because of his uh, belief. Again, it persisted for decades right. after the council, at least five times over 30 years, between 336 and 366, he was exiled, spending a total of somewhere around 17 years uh, in exile suffering for the faith. Wow. Um, and this whole time he was correct, but you know, he had to suffer because of his belief. And so many people today are still suffering because of their belief in Jesus Christ. We look at our brothers and sisters in China. We look at our brothers and sisters in Nigeria and Uganda and many other places on the continent of Africa who are still suffering for their belief in Jesus Christ uh, today. He actually ends up writing a creed that is a fairly famous, certainly among, I know, my Lutheran friends regularly recite uh, the Athanasian Creed, uh, which has a nickname Quicumque, 
which is the first Latin words of it. Uh, and I know that it's um, extensively related to the relationship with the, within the Trinity. And uh, um, do you know anything about the this uh, Athanasian Creed? Yeah, so it was from the Athanasius Creed. It was, it was kind of a was kind of a template for the creed that we have now. Okay. So what what Athanasius did he, in helping Bishop Alexander was trying to help articulate what this belief was. It kind of summarized the belief of the church up to this point. And so it was from the Athanasian Creed that we have the the creed that we have now. So it's still a beautiful statement of belief, you know, yeah. which again serves as the foundation for what we have today. So beautiful. And he also wrote some other stuff too. He wrote one of his most famous work uh, on the incarnation of the word, De Incarnatione, um, which talks about the incarnation of the word, where the word became flesh and dwelt among us for our salvation. And he wrote very famously uh, that the word uh, was was made man so that we might become, uh, so that man might become God. Yes. You know, so, <laughs> and so you can say, wait a minute, what is that? You know, no, small g God, right? And so if you look at, Actually, in the Psalms, you look at uh, Psalm 8, verse 6, you know, I've made you a little lower than the angels. Well, actually, the translation we have now is, I made you a little, uh, uh, a little less uh, than God. Less than God. But in Hebrew, it's actually uh, literally lower than the angels, a little, a little lower than the angels. And then um, Psalm 82, verse 6, right, says, you are gods, right? right. Uh, and in Second Peter chapter uh, one verse four, that we part uh, partakers into divine nature. So these are all kind of foundational understandings for for understanding properly what Saint Athanasius was talking about here, because God took on our nature. He heals and elevates and perfects our human nature. We don't become God, big G. We don't become divine beings in a sense, but we share through baptism and through the sacraments and through the life of the church. We share in the divine nature of God himself. Although we're, we don't become divine beings, we share in that divine nature. Sorry, uh, friends who happen to be Latter-day Saints. That's a distortion of what the actual scriptures teach and what we as Christians believe. We don't become gods of our own planets or things like that. That's not what the Catholic faith, certainly not what the Christian faith teaches. So, eh, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he also wrote uh, some wonderful meditations on the Psalms. And his other famous work, uh, which was considered a bestseller by ancient standards, was The Life of Anthony. Right. Which is the biography of St. Anthony of the Desert, who was the first monk. Right. You know, so uh, much of what we learn about St. Anthony is after from Athanasius. Um, yeah, because they were friends, and, and, uh, and, and so he wanted the chronicle. I mean, it was very unusual. The man leaves the world that goes out. To uh, you know, to establish the first monk in the desert of Egypt, and he was fascinated by this, and so wanted to write about him. And obviously, this was used the foundation for monastic life as we understand it today. That's amazing. Last uh, Advent, I actually participated in a book club where we read um, on the Incarnation by Athanasius. So we read it over a four-week period, and it's not a terribly long work. I'd say it's maybe. 60, 65 pages. And in that uh, work, he actually goes through not just the scriptures, but he also shows why the incarnation, why it makes sense 
from a philosophical, secular philosophical point of view, also why it makes sense from within Judaism. And so he shows that Christ is is the fulfillment of the um, prophecies and of he was the long-awaited Messiah. And then he shows how the effects of Christianity in our world are further proofs that Christ was indeed divine, that the those of us who've received the faith, uh, the miracles that we uh, have experienced in our own lives and our and by our moral action, we actually give witness to the divinity of Christ. And it's interesting because in reading that, of course, um, you know, I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, that's true. And then I'm also like, oh, my gosh, I got to stop being a jerk because I'm being a countersign to the gospel. <laughs> and he's entirely true. Right. How many people. Even even Christ said this, you know, those of you who cause the little ones to stumble would, you know, would that you had a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean when you cause, you know, people to sin. That's actually a conviction that we Christians need to have. We need to recognize that when we do things that are counter signs that drive people away from belief in Christ, we are committing a graver sin than just being a jerk. We're actually depriving people of the chance to know Christ. And so Athanasius was spot on. And here, you know, 1,700 years later, his writing still, it cuts to the heart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, showing how important these files of the church were and the development that we have the, the faith today. So it's beautiful. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for introducing us to Athanasius. He, when does he pass away? Uh, Athanasius dies somewhere around the year three. No, he took over in three twenty-eight. He died in three seventy-three. Okay, uh, it's May second, three seventy-three, um, which is the the day that we celebrate today. I think today for uh, yeah. to this day for him. Fantastic. Well, Saint Athanasius, please pray for us and pray for all the church that that uh, continues to celebrate this great faith that uh, we have received from the fathers and doctors of the early church gosh what a joy well yeah absolutely uh, we got we should celebrate these guys because uh, we we are who we are today because of them absolutely well thank you for introducing us to athanasius and uh, when we gather next week we'll uh, we'll pick up on yet another fantastic, uh, one of the early fathers and doctors of the church. But until we do that, we invite you to connect with us on Facebook. You can find us at Living Stones Media. And you can also download previous episodes of the show at com. But until we gather next week, Deacon, might we have a blessing. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.